You're listening to Goodfellas Minute 104. I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care Hello and welcome to Goodfellas Minute, the only podcast that analyzes the Martin Scorsese picture Goodfellas one bullet dodging minute at a time. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. How you doing, guy? And Josh Flanagan. Hey. And our special guest for this week has been Vice President and Executive Editor of Marvel Entertainment, Ryan Panagos. Hey. How, how you doing? doing? How you doing? Are you been having fun, Ryan? Talking I've been having a lovely time. Okay. Well, this Minute 104 starts off with Jimmy asking an ominous question and ends with Tommy telling another funny story. So first, it's interesting to point out that this conversation between Jimmy and Henry did happen, but it happened immediately after the heist, and it happened in a car. Yep. When Jimmy revealed to Henry that they did pull off the score and he was going to get some money, that's when he immediately, immediately started wondering about whether or not Maury was going to talk. And this was because Maury previously had threatened to go to the DA right. when there was an altercation over gambling bets and payments and all this sort of stuff, and, and Maury threatened to drop the dime. And so, so he was dead when he said that. Yeah, so he was already branded as a potential rat. Yeah, and so in this minute, Henry says in the voiceover, that's the minute he knew Moira was going to die. That, that happened immediately, like within 24 hours of the heist being over. Yeah. So this, I mean, Moira was never going to get that $500,000. But what's, what's funny also in real life was that, was that actually we were, talking, we were talking a couple of days ago about who got their money and all this sort of stuff. In real life, Marty Krugman... Mm-hmm. Maury in the movie, told Henry that Jimmy gave him $50,000 right before Christmas. And what does Marty do? But he turns around and gives 40000 of it to the guy that worked at Lufthansa who gave him the tip. That guy also got paid $80,000 from the highest money. Yeah, exactly. So he, he, yeah. But he practiced what he preached then. Yeah, exactly. He totally he, he did unto others as he wanted done to himself, and he got screwed in the process. We're going to talk about that guy next week. Yeah. So one thing I thought was interesting is, do you anything else in the conversation on the outside? Or? Well, the, the outside conversation I think is amazing because they're walking and Jimmy says, hey, you think Maury tells his wife everything? And then freeze frame and you get Henry narration saying, and that's what I knew Jimmy was going to kill Maury. That freeze frame lasts nine seconds. I thought there was something wrong with my uh, computer for just a minute when I was, <laughs> yep. I was like, wait, what, what did it freeze? Yep. And then I was like, oh, that's, that's the thing that happens. Because we haven't had a freeze frame so long. I guess, yeah. Yeah, and it's very – it just looks like what happens when a video freezes. I was yeah. wait, oh, it's not. <laughs> but it's a very long freeze frame. I guess I, it's not one of the iconic ones that I remember looking at. Yeah, and I, I also like how once the – once, you know, and then Henry explains that and the freeze frame lets go, Henry is trying to save Maury by saying, yeah, he's so la- – he, he tells everybody everything. He talks so much nobody listens to him. He kind of says that, but the first thing he says, yeah, he talks to everybody. And I was like, what are you doing? Well, he's trying to make it seem like he's not reliable anyway, so no one's going to believe him. Yeah, which is funny because I actually was deposed in a court case once. And that was. No, I am allowed. It was years ago. (laughs) Was it the Asaro case? I'm pretty sure. No, nothing to do with the mafia that doesn't exist. But I was called as a witness in a case that had to do with someone. Someone bad mouthing a former employer, and the employer was claiming that it caused him work, you know, them to lose work, right? And so I got called in to give testimony, and they said, "Did this guy say these things?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no, of course he said those things." And they're like, "Okay, did you believe him?" I'm like, 
No, the guy talks so much, nobody believed the word out of his mouth. <laughs> exactly what Henry says to Jimmy. That's the testimony I gave. Because <laughs> it was true. The guy talks so much, he was just an idiot. You know, like you didn't, you didn't believe him, which I feel is a valid defense, right? Before we get past the, the freeze frame, I, maybe because I was focused on this minute and watched it a couple times, but it felt like it just felt more intense. And then they were talking, they were just, the whole scene is them talking about this guy who, you know, through all the bullshit that's been going on with him busting balls and this, that, and the other thing, they've known him for so long. And yep. it's like, now it's like, okay, he's got to die. And that felt, it felt just like, I don't know, Cold. weird and intense to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and that freeze frame right there, as it, it's, it, and like you were saying, Josh, it's, it's such a, like a, almost a random shot, obviously not random because of the way Scorsese yeah. works, but like, it's just like a jarred, stop and then off they go it's uh, i i i loved it yeah yeah i really i remember that transition from you think she you know talks to you think he talks to his wife about it to the to the line and that's when i knew more was going to get whacked like that's a big thing that i took away from this movie it was just how subtle everything was they don't say any you know like well that, yeah that was an observation i had which is that this is an entire conversation about whether or not they're going to kill someone and the words i'm going to kill him or he's dead or anything never happen and even it's, down to like as they walk on the street the dialogue is even pretty hushed yeah like it, it, it the music's still going on that cream song um, you guys may remember it from yesterday i can i can I don't recall i can recap no, that's fine. Sunshine Over Love is still going on, and but but like the the dialogue is kind of buried under that music there, yeah. a little bit, um, which is unusual. What's great is is it's never said explicitly what they're talking about, but Jimmy knows that Henry knows what he's talking about. Yeah, which is like it's, it's a nuance. Which is which like the thing is is that like I've had relationships with people where that happens. You know, what I mean, like where there's definitely where people get killed. Yeah, exactly. No, no, but there are times. No, but there, Connor, there have been times where we've been out, and I've said something to you, and I didn't, I didn't want to say it, but you knew exactly what I was talking about. You know, what I mean, like when you when you work closely with someone or have a strong relationship with them, that can happen. I mean, it happens with my dad all the time, where I know exactly what he's talking about. You know, and but I think it, it, it carries through, you know, and actually into tomorrow's minute, it happens again too, where Jimmy says something and Henry knows what he means, but he never actually says it. You know, and, and but it's an acknowledgement of yes, that's what we were talking about. Which I, I, the whole the whole language of no language in this movie, I, I just I constantly find amazing. But also that the stakes are so high with them not saying the thing. Yeah. I mean, like, and and this was another thing I talked about in that interview with Leota is that he said when he listened to the tapes of Henry Hill, it was just how comfortable these guys were with violence and with brutality. And, you know, like, and they talk about somebody getting killed like it was nothing, and that's what's happening here. They're talking about ending a person's life. Without saying anything about it, like yeah. it's just a regular conversation, and that is that is not something that we are used to. Yeah, you know, well, it's interesting. And the only thing that Jimmy says is "bring him here." Yeah, and it, it's not even like that to anyone else that could mean anything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the "bring him here" was just like, to me like, oh my god. Well, earlier we heard "keep him here." Yeah, <laughs> which meant the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They enter what I assume is his. Bar. Yeah, it's Roberts. It's Roberts. Yeah. So is Roberts a illegally converted house? No, it's a it's a bar. That's just, I mean that it's we talked about it. Uh, no, but as they but as they're walking down the street, you're just passing row house, row house, row house. Yeah, and then it looks like this is another row house that's been illegally converted. Well, on the corner, it's, it's like that. the bar in the corner. Yeah. I'm not saying there's not. Josh. I'm just saying is that what it is? Though is because there's a, I mean when I lived in Brooklyn, there was illegally converted places on my block too. But yeah. Mm -hmm. It was interesting that this is sort of a because from the outside it looks really kind of run down. Doesn't there's not like a window? 
Well, in the real life, it's Nears Tavern, which is on that corner, and it's just there. It's been there for years, you know. Like it's 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 just somebody built a bar in that building, you know. Whether or not it was a residence at some point, who knows? But that's not terribly un you know like uncommon in New York. Well, I didn't say it wasn't common. In fact, it's very common in Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> in between 2012 and 2013, the NYPD busted 46 illegal gambling dens. Ooh. Uh, and Brooklyn is by far the most common place to find these illegally converted gambling houses. Well, because that, that's the thing is that they would have, I mean, and, and the, the Italians as well, too, they would have social clubs. You know, and like all those, you know, like all those black and white grainy photos of FBI surveillance of the mafia where they're all standing outside a door on the street in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. They're standing outside their social club, which is just, so it's let a... Me, yeah. Let me ask you that. Can you explain to me, I mean, I kind of get an idea, but what, 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 how would you explain what a, what a social club is? Because you still see them to this day. Clubhouse. It's a clubhouse, yeah. Place to hang so somebody out, gamble, owns drink. that property. Yep. And then who, like, who's paying for? So, like, so according, so <laughs> they're paying for it out of the stuff they get off the truck, the, the yeah. shrimps and lobsters. So, so, Those so, the, the and, th- and that's the thing is that like th- there are, I mean, like it's it's gone on for years, and and the places like Soho House and stuff like that are technically social clubs. You know, it's just basically where any group of people organize and Members then rent only. a rent a space. Yeah, exactly. Great yeah. jackets. There was one on uh, in Brooklyn on Fifth Avenue that for years when I lived there I wanted to buy because it was an old social club. It even had the sign still on the door. Oh, that's great! For years it was it was just closed, and then you know one day there was a fucking boutique there. But there was like a five or six year period where I was like, I shouldn't buy that place. Just have yeah. a social club. It'd be so cool. <laughs> I I, I, dr- I in fact some of me and my friends in in San Francisco talked about it. like five years ago. We talked about renting an apartment out in the Sunset where it's cheap, where it was cheap. And then putting pinball machines in and having like a social club around pinball, you know, whatever. But uh, we didn't do that. Didn't you realize you weren't you weren't taking scores? You couldn't pay for it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we cut financially. To, this makes no sense. We cut to the inside, <laughs> and where there's a raucous card game going on, and lots of laughing and ball busting and cigar smoking and drinking. We know that now. This is the night that Moore is to die. Well, here's my question. So Jimmy wants Henry to bring him there. Later, yeah, and is this is this is this the later? Because the lighting to me, I don't know. I was, I'm, I guess, I get stuck on some of the timing here because he's already there. This Did they the- already bring him? Because he talks about remember that thing we're going to take care of later or, or whatever yeah. he says. It's you know, it, it's a little. So I, the, I was try- the yeah. walk outside is during the day. This is later at night. Th- it's know, just later. That's all. You know what's later. really cool is that they go from. Inside, at the end of the last minute, they go from inside Roberts to they cut outside walking in the day, and then they arrive back at Roberts. Yep. <laughs> it's a very strange way. It's hard. Just, Unless you're really paying attention, it would be hard to follow the time and the day and the, and the, the focus of the narration here. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I really I was like, oh, they switched, they switched, they put them outside walking on the street in Queens, and they end up right back where they were. 12 seconds ago and I was like that's kind of cool I don't, I've never seen anybody pull that off because that, that shouldn't work I also like the shot of them walking by the way because if you remember earlier in the movie remember every outside shot it just seemed hot right like every yes. outside shot was in July and they're sweating and the radio's <laughs> on whereas now we're in the phase of the movie where every outside shot is cold that's really interesting. And they're bundled up and, and you know. I mean, and, that's, it's yeah. summer into, yep. you know, fall into winter, which is kind of interesting. And, and, they, and they really, and they really get, at least in this scene walking outside, they really captured 
like new gray oh, yeah. new york winter right like Absolutely. that like the it's funny because i feel like we having all having ties to new york or whatever take it take it for granted but like if you look at the lighting of the shot outside that like that's what life looks like right now you know like that yes. uh, that's, uh, very, i was instantly like i was i was on that street when they cut to outside i was you oh, were there i mean not you know you, yes, had to, you had to have been like 11 yeah he was there with clapton oh yeah <laughs> me and ec i do i want to celebrate one thing that happens in this minute okay Frankie Carbone says a line, <laughs> and I understood every single syllable of it. While, while he's uh, <laughs> while he's sorting the cards, Maury, stop breaking my balls, all right. <laughs> and I mean, uh, just com- from what we've heard from him before, this was this was a clarion light through the through the storm. It was just... I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that it's casual Carbone. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I mean, he's got he's got the oh, he's got he's just got a plaid shirt on, no tie, open collar. You see the chain, you know. Maybe yeah. if his shirt is buttoned up, then he constricts his vocal cords and he yeah. can't yeah. talk. And then he starts speaking Italian, Italianish, Italianish, Italianish. After that moment, we're thrown into with, and the focus is not on it, but we're thrown into Tommy telling a story. All right, so at this point, Maury's set to die. Jimmy knows, Henry knows, Tommy obviously knows. Carbone, I guess, knows. I guess no, I don't think Carbone I, ever knows anything. I guess he's yeah. Yeah. yeah, no. He has to. He knows about a second plan. The other guy at the table is mysterious beard and glasses guy. Your favorite. So I think it's nice that the mafia wants to give Maury a nice send-off. You know, they're all pals with him. He's, they're having a good time with him. They're joking with him. They're making him feel like one of the guys, which is all he's ever wanted. Well, yeah, and I think and I think we'll talk more. We'll talk more about that tomorrow when the pitbull decision happens. But right, but you know, at this point, yeah. while we're watching it, he's yeah. gonna die, and they're you know they're giving him a nice day. One more one more day for Maury. Yeah, one more good day. Gambling at the table. So. Maury's last day. Maury wanted <laughs> a to short be one film of the guys. We, we talked about that. His whole his whole goal was to feel like he was one of the guys, and here he is, one of the guys. Yeah, true. I like I like Henry managing the time. He's like he's like, well, I figured I had a couple hours before it actually would do it. And there was still time to talk, you know, talk Jimmy out of it. It's interesting that he cares about Maury because earlier I wondered if he did, if he did, but he doesn't want him to kill him. I think he cares about harmony. I think he wants everyone to be happy and no no one to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. That's been his MO for the whole movie. It's bad for business. Yeah. Everybody's making money. Tommy, do you guys, was, do you think that's improv? How much of that? Or is it? Oh, yes. 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 And this, by the way, is one of my favorite Tommy stories. It is. It's really great. You know why? Because I don't have any context for it. (laughs) And it's not the focus. So you're just picking up little details from it. And like, actually, the stuff tomorrow is better, you know? Yeah, you can't. Don't waste it yet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. This is all improv, right? I mean, Tommy doing his. Yeah. 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 So So at first, I wondered if, if Jimmy and Henry were just sitting at that poker table, just staring at Maury and smoking. And I thought that's going to be a giveaway because <laughs> that's what it appears that they're doing until you realize that Tommy is telling a story. Yeah, yeah. And even at one point when they go to Henry, Henry gets impatient and he goes, come on, you know, like, you know, enough of this. <laughs> well, they're afraid he might fold under questioning. <laughs> and he did. All right. All right. We, we got anything else in this minute? Aside from Maury's, Maury's PGA golfer outfit? Well, no. <laughs> His master sweater? Yeah. <laughs> so Tommy is telling a story, which means the fuck count is six. Wow. <laughs> All right, so uh, so let's turn the spotlight on our friend Ryan here. So, Ryan, do you remember the first time you saw the movie? You know, I, I, was, I was trying to think about that because I've been listening to the show and, and hearing a lot of other people's uh, responses. And I honestly, I don't remember the first time I saw it. It just feels like it was part of growing up almost. You know, one of those movies that was just sort of there. 
But I do remember it was Goodfellas was one of the first movies or an early movie in my relationship with my wife that she had never seen it. And when we got together, I was like, what do you mean? Uh, and you had never heard of Cream, so it was perfect. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, she had to teach me about Cream and I had to teach her about Goodfellas. <laughs> and uh, so we, it was one of those movies that we watched very early on. And that was, to me, that, that's more of a, a nice memory for me about the movie. And, and did she and enjoy it the first time or did you have to keep showing it to her again and again? <laughs> She's enjoyed it, yeah. And, okay. you know, we re- she has enjoyed it, is what you just said. <laughs> she, she has definitely enjoyed it. Uh, we watched it again the other day and, and, and she was trying to pick up, you know, she was picking up little pieces and remembering them very fondly. Well, let's, yeah. let's not forget that this is, I mean, this, despite the violence and the, the true crime, it is a romantic movie. yeah. There's a yeah. <laughs> kind of. There's, there's the sweeping love story of Henry and Karen, which you know I, I find inspiring. You and Henry and his girlfriend, the gun <laughs> to her husband's head. You don't know how I feel. Uh, <laughs> so, so Ryan, growing up on Long Island and in New York and living in New York City and stuff like that, do you feel any sort of kinship, or, or do you, like did you, did you see the stuff how going on when you were when you were growing up, or? Not too much. I mean, you know, growing up, we had a lot more of the supposed mafia in the news. Yeah. Oh, uh, the like the the Genovese crime family, as they would have been called, uh, or you know, Gotti or whatever. And so the, it was. It sort of was just like around the periphery. But it, you know, I grew up in uh, in like Western Nassau, very close to Belmont Racetrack. So. I went to the track a bunch with my grandfather, uh, you know, wholesome activities that you do, but it never really felt like this connection, like these guys, but I knew you sort of knew guys who were like them, yeah. if that makes sense. You know, it was, they, I was never really close to them cause it just wasn't, just wasn't who we were, but there was like one particular uh, friend of mine when I was growing up and like his father was, it was definitely one of these guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. Is he the guy with the beard uh, and the sunglasses? <laughs> we get to see more of him, uh, I think. And I, I've had many questions. So, Ryan, at the racetrack, <laughs> were there a lot of guys in short sleeves, pork pie hats, and cigars? Yeah, I'm trying to think. It was like a lot of, I, for some reason, I picture a lot of light blue. Uh, did, um, did, yeah, light blue shirts. Did you have like one of those newsboy caps? <laughs> and were, were you, were you, did your pants uh, go down to your knees and you had socks pulled all the way up? And you were, and, Paper for you, sir? Did you call your grandfather Pop? Hey, Pops, what, are we going to win the race, Pops? <laughs> no, sadly, none of that. Oh, gosh, that's too bad. Yeah, no, it's, fun, it's funny, though, because I, I feel we, we, we grew up after this golden age. Yeah. This true golden age. You know, and, and unfortunately, the, the, the majority of the Italian-Americans that we grew up with, it was more of a Z Cavaricci, you know, like kind of era than, than you know, classy pointy collars and, and that sort of thing. It's unfortunate. But, yeah, but it, there, there's sort of some like residue, so to speak, that like skimmed down and was still there, especially, you know, kids growing up in high school and whatever, especially in my neighborhood, very Italian where I grew up, like, and that fit more into like the, the, the families of this realm. You're, you're, not, you're not Italian, are you? No, you're not. No, I'm not. I'm Colombian and a little Irish and German. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> He's been doing that the whole time. Don't. <laughs> He's 
how to move along. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that's funny. I don't know. You I heard the stuff about the Jewish wedding. I, I, we could talk. We can talk much more about you growing up on the South Shore and me growing up on the North Shore. But I think that that's for non-podcast time. But yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's definitely. You know, uh, I was a little more sheltered in my Northwest Suffolk uh, area. But we, who Ryan, knows? Ryan, in your time in working in entertainment, have you come across anyone involved in Goodfellas? That's a good question. You've talked to a lot of celebrities. Yeah, it's and I mean, there's so many people in this movie. I feel like I've I've met Ray Liotta. It's one. I don't know if I have, but it's, I love, I I love that like, sentence. <laughs> I feel like I have at some point or another. I don't have any way to confirm that. Check it up on it. But I feel like I've met Liotta. Like he's like your like he's your spiritual soulmate. I just feel like you know we're of a piece. You know, it's just one of those. So growing up, my mom and my grandmother were in New York City real estate. And so I also met like there were celebrity stories or celebrity things in there. So it might have been when I was, you know, when I was younger. But there's definitely I'm going to say yes. How about that? I'm going to say yes. There's definitely a Leota connection somewhere. More than we got. (laughs) We got got nothing. Well, Connor rode the escalator in Martin Scorsese once. So that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. That should be prominently featured on our website. It really should. <laughs> featuring someone who rode the escalator, Martin Scorsese, in, 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 in Union Square. 2005. Once. 2006. <laughs> Ten years ago. <laughs> featuring another guest, another host who lived down the street from where they filmed 15 years later. I had reservations at uh, Tribeca Grill once. Well, that's, that's De Niro's place, right? Well, well I, I think I've told the story on the show before, but Ryan, people we mutually know saw met De Niro and Leota during the filming of this. Uh, Brian Meehan and and uh, went to go walk his walk his dog by where they were filming, and then they played with the dog. And I remember Brian telling me that at a show once. That's great. I, I don't remember ever hearing that. Yeah, yeah. Fun times. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> no. Let's take it home. All right. So that was it for minute one hundred and four. You can tune in tomorrow for 105. Until then, check us out on Twitter at GoodfellasMinute and on Instagram and Facebook at GoodfellasMinute. And you can find all of our episodes at GoodfellasMinute.com. Ryan, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AgentM and on the uh, This Week in Marvel podcast. And finally, if you have any questions or anything of note, you can email us at contact at GoodfellasMinute.com. And to support the show, go to GoodfellasMinute.com slash support. You can shop via Amazon or go to Patreon.com slash GFM. That's where you can become a patron and if you are a patron at the proper level you get your own mob nickname and we get two nicknames going out tomorrow on tomorrow's show so check that out and until then goodbye or will i go from a rags to return my fate is up